Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Gapped Podcast. Usman, how are you doing? Good. Walaikum salam. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I've been waiting for this podcast yeah. for a long time. We've had this scheduled for, I don't know, Save. months. 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 Um, but it's uh, good that you're now on. Uh, Usman, you, yeah. uh, when we first met several years ago, uh, mm-hmm. you were doing some uh, triathlon-based activities out in Pakistan. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Tell us a bit about yourself and uh, where you are now. Yeah, so now I'm based in London. Um, I am just an average guy <laughs> love, who loves adventures. And I love the whole aspect of, you know, going to new places and exploring new countries and doing that on, you know, a bike or on foot. And that's kind of like led me to where I am right now. And it's like this world of ultra endurance racing. I'm not like really a professional or anything, but, you know, getting to like an amateur kind of stage where I've done a few. Um, and with the triathlon, when you met me, it was essentially an idea to do a triathlon in the mountains of Pakistan and see what could be done there. It was something that I was, um, you know, when I was at work back in 2015, looking at Google Maps and just wanting to go and explore that place. And I took that plunge and leap of faith and went about trying to see what could happen. And that eventually led me to triathlons and meeting a lot of interesting people and, um, and then to the world of ultra endurance cycling. And yeah, that's where I am right now. And then back in London, yeah. Are you still doing the triathlon back in Pakistan or did COVID put an end to that? So, I mean, interesting question there. Like, so it took like three years to get something organized. It's just like triathlon is such a very niche sport in itself. Um, And then the location itself was pretty remote. We ended up managed, uh, we ended up getting like 20 people, um, in 2019 and then after that it was COVID and then eventually COVID and other priorities other interests developed and time constraints meant that I couldn't carry it on but but I feel there's still like a growing interest and there's like a growing community so it might be something down the line something might happen yeah yeah I don't know too much about the triathlon but uh, mm-hmm. There's some bobs who've gone out to Pakistan and they ride Recently, with the local yeah. clubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you see the yeah. pictures? Yeah, so it was like Doc, um, right? I keep forgetting his name. Yeah. Um, so they there was like a another charity ride as well. No, no, I'm not talking about the charity ride. Right? Gun- uh, like oh. some brothers oh. went out. Um, I think his name Khalil from Slough. Uh, no, sorry, oh, okay. Shazad from Slough. Oh. He went out uh, to right. Pakistan. And he's yeah. riding out with locals from there, whereas um, Team MC, obviously, okay. they went recently riding in the Gilgit yeah. Mountains, but they were riding within yeah. themselves, you know. Uh, but mm-hmm. these are, went out, uh, Shazad went out, and I think uh, Jahan's been out as well, um, okay. and he's riding with locals out there. And I think there's yeah. a growing scene. So, yeah, watch yeah. this space, or you should be telling me, rather. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, like, interest from people around the country um, for events like these and i think even outside of pakistan like here as, as well so it, triathlon itself is very 
I think very specific, very small communities. So cycling is much more wider, much more, I would say like inclusive of people's yeah. abilities and yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, yeah. before we go into all things mm-hmm. ultra, uh, what's your favorite out of the three? Uh, swimming, cycling or running? Um, so I grew up swimming and I used to be in like the provincial team for sin like under 18 for really? a while oh, wow. um then then I moved to Islamabad and we had like a mountain bike like my brothers and sisters my brother and sister had a mountain bike so we used to go go into the um hills the Magla hills and um from then on like it was mostly cycling and when I moved to the UK to study, um, you know, seeing people cycle and do everything here as an adventure, that was like, you know, cycling kind of was where I loved most. Of <laughs> yeah, I so yeah, cycling yeah. out of the three sports. Sweet. Yeah. Um, that's that's definitely my favorite. So uh, <laughs> on to adventure racing. So you've done yeah. uh, Silk Road Mountain Race twice. Uh, we both did All Points North, or rather we both started All Points North. Uh, you done any others ad- Others recently? Yeah, I mean, I want to correct, like I started Silk Road as well, so never finished <laughs> on both occasions. Um and yeah, Dale's Divide was another one that I did this year. So yep. that's in the North York Moors and the North Yorkshire Dales. Yeah, Yorkshire Dales. Uh, that one was um, off-road. Those right? are the other. Yeah, that was also off-road. So same as Silk Road, Mountain Race, again, off-road. Um, and All Points North was the one that we did. And well, as like started. So that was road. <laughs> that was like different for me. Um, because it was all on road yeah so and then there's been like um solo trips that i've done yeah. so i did like london to edinburgh during oh, winter um, winter. and then <laughs> edinburgh to john O'Groats. and in 2015 14 yeah 2014 was when i was at uni i just bought like a second hand bike and went touring in cornwall so i went to uh lands end so essentially what i wanted to do was like do in stages like the whole lands and do john growths and uh, connect yes. all the places up yeah gotcha so so you've been at it yeah. for a long time then i thought i thought you were fairly new to well not i've known you what four five years now but still yeah uh you've been at yeah. it way longer than that then yeah i mean the first introduction to bob for me was uh this guy called Osman in Leicester. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that was like very early days for Bob as well. Yes. Um, when I, I I was like cycling around Leicester and it's this, I just bumped into this guy who looked Asian and I was like, hey, hello. <laughs> and um, spoke to him and then he told me about Bob and, you know, years passed and then I eventually moved down to London and I was in East London and then I looked up Bob and then that's when I started, like, I came to a few bike rides, but not yeah, a lot. Yeah. But yeah, that's how, yeah, oh, fair we enough. became acquaintances. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So um, what's been your favorite out of all the little adventures or rather major adventures you've had? 
Yeah, I was thinking about um, and then reflecting on it essentially, but I feel like each one has been a learning and a progression in uh, in their approach and the way that I um, you know go to these events. Um, there's always been something that I've I've always pushed further in each event. Um, just like little things that I learned from other people as well that I try to incorporate in the next one. Um, so from like training to like gear choice to um, just mental focus and um, how you approach being in that wild remote location. Um, so each one has had its own learning. So like I, there's not like one favorite, but definitely... Being in Kyrgyzstan for the Silkore Mountain Race was a highlight. Yeah, both times, and each each time it was like a push further. Um, so yeah, there's no there's no one particular there's no answer to that. No, f- yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Um, so was Silk Road Mountain Race your first official ultra race then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, and um. I literally just saw a ad for it on Instagram and it just looked wild and I was wanting to go away and experience something. And I'd been in Pakistan for like on and off for three years for the, for Tri Pakistan. And so being in the mountains, I just missed the mountains and I wanted to explore a new country. And this was like the perfect um, excuse for it really. And a perfect excuse to like train for something bigger than what I'd ever done before. Yeah. So at that point, it was like sixteen hundred and eighty kilometers, something like that. And uh, that that's length. mostly off road, yeah. right? Yeah, completely. Uh, but even the roads, I'd call them off road. That's incredible. <laughs> They're like washboards. So it's the same, really. Sixteen hundred um, yeah. kilometers off road is the same as doing effectively two and a half, maybe even three thousand kilometers oh. on the road, right? I mean, yeah. When you cal- factor in the um, elevation gain as well, I think it was like at that time it was twenty-eight thousand meters of elevation gain. That's fine. Just to get into Quite your lost. psyche a little um, bit, right? How, why and how do you pick yeah. this one? And it's incredibly tough as it is. It has a huge reputation as yeah, being yeah. one of the hardest, one of the most like, you know, uh, toughest races. Mm-hmm. And you went and picked that one as your first one. Uh, yeah, well, without how, any how, experience. Right? Absolutely. It's, in, not even, any... it's not even UK based or Pakistan based or a place you yes. know. How do you go about in choosing that one? Um. For me, it was it was just like complete unknown, and I just wanted to throw myself into it and Fair experience something new, like completely wild. Um, and it's so hard, but, but like looking back at it, it was I saw this like documentary on the first edition in 2018 called um, there was a documentary called Wild Horses. Yeah, yeah, and um, it was just following the guys who were doing the race, and you know, I could just like try to picture myself doing something similar, <laughs> and I just went for it. And I mean, I literally had no no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, 
so I mean I I overpacked I un, I was underprepared but you know I just, it was just the excitement and the thrill of it that kind of made me want to do it um and part of I think it was like also committing myself to something um and I had like eight months to prepare for it before I you know I had like so I I think the application opened in November the year before yeah and then so November 18 November December 18 that's when I sent my application in um you have to fill out this application form read a few questions uh, answer a few questions and you know essentially prove that you can survive in the wild or at least are confident in your abilities to survive in remote locations um at high altitudes and then you hear back and then you send and hear back in a month and then you start preparing from there on so i think once i knew i was going then i started doing like two three hundred kilometer rides um every other weekend essentially um so like going to norwich or doing 300 kilometers in a day that was like my first ever kind of long distance ride and um then i started connecting with people who were into like long distance riding and a few people that i knew and yeah that's you know kind of like opened up a new world for me as well once i just committed to the process of going for it so Um, talk us through the race in that case like how how did you go about getting to the start line because it's out in Kyrgyzstan if I'm not mistaken yeah. it's, it literally starts in the middle of nowhere uh, yeah. so how do you um, go about going from here in London to the middle of nowhere in Kyrgyzstan yeah so I mean it's fairly not as daunting as it may sound okay um it's like you just you just pack your bike and take it on a plane <laughs> Kyrgyzstan yeah um, and then you unpack it there and you start cycling as you would like anywhere in the world no maybe. but you land um, in the capital yeah. I imagine right yeah 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 there's like an international airport there um it's a yeah. it's a pretty like the the city is it's itself in Bishkek is 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 fairly okay it's not it's not like the most developed country or the city but Compared to like the rest of the country, it's it's fairly um, developed. You know, you have like ATMs, you can take cash out. But um, um, but the race starts pay. out yeah. in the villages, no, or not even villages, literally so, very remote areas. So. They have they have changed the start lines in each year. So okay. in twenty eighteen, I'm not remember. I can't remember where it started, but twenty nineteen, it was start. There was a start in Bishkek. Okay. So okay. you start in Bishkek. So it's essentially where you land, and then you can get a hotel there for a few nights gotcha. and acclimatize. Acclimatize. I mean, they recommend like coming a year, uh, not a year. <laughs> that would be too long. A week before to acclimatize, and um, people usually go up to the hills around the city, camp there at like three thousand meters. Um, so what's the city? Right? The, the city, city itself. Yeah. It's like. 1500 meters let me quickly check but, okay but okay probably, so that's yeah. okay so that's some serious elevation just the city itself no so 800 meters so it's oh, okay like okay 500 meters but yeah. you go into the mountains yeah. at 2000 meters right 
Yeah, so so the they the mountains go up to like forty eight hundred meters, but oh. you know you can camp at like lower elevations. Um, but yeah, there's like very mountain ranges essentially. Um, but but you can like cycle outside of the city. You're in the mountains essentially. Um, but yes, some pretty cool places <laughs> out there. Um, so in 2019, they started the race in Bishkek. In 2021, they started in a, another city called Talas, which is in the um, west northwestern part of uh, the country. Um, and essentially, they loaded up our bikes um, and then put us in like these vans and took us to the start line in Talas. Um, and so 2021, it was like the first 40 kilometers with like 2,000 something meters of elevation gain. You're literally starting the race with a big climb up a mountain pass. <laughs> so wow. it's, it's crazy. And it starts at like, it started at 4 a.m. Um, when I went 2021. And that's all uh, off-road, of course. So you're going yeah. up very, very slowly, I imagine. Or sometimes even walking. Yeah, so the last part of it, I walked the climb. Um, and I mean, for 2021, I had some issues with my visa and like travel. So I literally arrived a day before the race start, which meant I had no time to acclimatize, but just had to do it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so that meant I was just a bit slow because of that as well. What's um so for a race like uh, Silk Road Mountain Race? What are you most fearing? Are you fearing the remoteness? Are you fearing perhaps the wild animals? Are you fearing perhaps being mm. uh, burgled or rather attacked by locals? Or, or what's going through your mind? What's what's it's, causing you to be anxious on a race like that? Um. Mm, good question i guess like it's pretty safe out there generally okay even in like remote locations you'd find people um like shepherds shepherds and you know they'd, they'd be with their horses and cattle and goats um so you're always like within some sort of help even though it might seem very remote um you might come across like yurts and stuff that people are living in and because they have like a very nomadic lifestyle out in the countryside. Um, but what what makes you feel anxious? I feel is I don't know your own ability to complete it or do <laughs> to climb these. At least for me, yeah. I was like, you know that that. But you you kind of like try to get over it as much as possible. Um, there's definitely a sense of excitement and dread you know what what will happen if you're caught in a snowstorm or what would happen if like there's a sudden thunderstorm but you kind of prepare for that in sense that you just have the right equipment for that and sometimes you just have to keep moving um or you know just take shelter and be calm and in these situations um i remember in like 2019 as i was crossing the first uh pass up the race um called kegati um 
then there's like as soon as you go up the valley it started to like become rainy slightly and then the rain turned into like snow and the the road becomes like mud and water and your even your like waterproofs are just not waterproof so you just you just keep going until you get to the top and then you walk down first and then slowly like cycle down the other side and you're you're over it but you just have to keep keep pushing essentially um there's no other way around it this is literally you know you you face like certain certain like hard situations in life and then you're just like what do you do just keep keep going until it's done essentially um yeah yeah fair enough um did did the locals ever host you um were you ever inside a yurt so the the rules are such that you're like self-supported and you should like avoid to have you should you shouldn't shouldn't rely on people's generosity for your you know for the race essentially that's kind of the rule for self-supported bikepacking races but yeah occasionally people do offer and you sometimes you know that's like okay but occasionally it's not um you shouldn't like go asking for it essentially that's the point if people offer it yeah fine um well the locals feeding you and what kind of lifestyles are they do they have um i mean there's like there's a very specific they there's a lot of horse milk that they drink and so they make cheese out of horse milk as well which is very um pungent and you tried it oh yeah yeah i tried it once and then so so essentially what happened was like i was climbing up the mountain pass and i saw this like hut and so i i thought it was like a hotel or something yeah so i I just spoke to the guys around and I was like, hotel. And they were like, yeah, yeah. But it turned out to be a house actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it's almost like small shack and a house kind of thing. So the woman inside, she, she gave me bread and some, um, I can't remember what else she gave me, but basically bread and tea. And um, there's these balls, like cheese balls. Um, so she was like offering me, those so I, I had one and I like out of courtesy and politeness I said oh this is nice then she, she went to another room and like bought a whole bag full of them and she was like take them with you um I didn't end up like eating any of it and it yeah. became like this one big massive congealed ball of cheese but yeah that's it's yeah apparently it's good for like your stomach if you've got like diarrhea or stuff but that's what i've heard um yeah, fair enough. It's, it's, it's okay just their lifestyle is just uh, incredibly different to ours i imagine you probably didn't have signal out there um there's probably no internet for anyone out there i imagine um there are patches where you don't yeah. have that but in in most places yeah you can get like good good internet um like 4g and stuff oh, really? like okay yeah, yeah, yeah so okay. people can and then you have like the spot trackers with you so people yeah, can yeah. keep a track of you where you are and yeah. um, the yurts were they made so that they can move them around right if i'm not mistaken yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. incredible That's, yeah they live, they live incredible lives it's just like amazing like you can see there's like vast plateaus and like 
you can see like mountain tops with like ice and snow and then you've got the yurts and field of horses and yeah, it's just sometimes it's just beautiful as well yeah what what were what kind of temperatures were you riding in mostly was it warm was it cold in the night varying how did it work it varies so my first experience was in 2019 it didn't last that long because i had an accident but the next time i went um yeah it was like i wouldn't say freezing but um i think some people did encounter like snowstorms or some uh, passes that they went they were ahead of me and then the next day that i went over it was fine but it was like less than 10 degrees and then when you go down into the valley it's like boiling like 30 35 degrees wow, okay. it's just like you yeah you're literally in like the space of an hour you're like going from a high mountain pass to like the valley and um the, the temperature variation is quite a lot so you, you constantly have to like adapt to that as well that's mad yeah. that's mad so um in terms of uh like your setup for the bike um mm -hmm. you obviously did off-road in the uk i imagine before heading out did you make any changes for the terrain out there? How is it different to the terrain we have here? Obviously, you're up in the mountains, but I'm talking about more the surface and whatnot. Yeah, I think the first time I went, I was very underprepared. Like, I went on the diverse that you've seen uh, me yeah, cycle yeah. and with, like, 38 millimeter tires, which, um, which were, I think, fairly inadequate, but there are people that have done it on those kind of bikes, like a gravel bike. It's doable, but it's just like very, very strenuous and hard um, on your wrists, like just your whole body. Um, but for the next time I went, I ended up getting a mountain bike. So uh, although without any suspension in front or back, so that was another challenge. Um, but yeah, that held up fine. So in terms of the gear, it was like, definitely recommend like a suspension front suspension at least for those sort of places in terms of preparation in the uk i think like going to the peak district lake district um those are good places like or or like quite a lot of off-road places that are cropping up now for mountain biking um yeah that that was but there's nothing i can actually prepare you for it in england <laughs> to be honest yeah um yeah it's it's the altitude that gets you more in the terrain absolutely so um you've done it twice unfortunately twice now uh it remains incomplete. uh yeah. will you be going back again yeah potentially it's, it's kind of unfinished business um so one day i'm not sure when that is because i'm <laughs> trying to focus on like smaller and more local or closer to England races at the moment, but it might happen in the future. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So uh, obviously plan just, yeah. Yeah. like huge, uh, you could say ultra racing celebrities turn up to such races. Um, have you mm -hmm. met any of them? Do you get starstruck at all? Do you learn anything from them? Um, yeah. Mm. Mm. I mean, they're very humble, humble and um, just, I met, I mean, I'd say I met, I just like met them like briefly. So like Sofian, JP Tawari and 
Lel Wilcox. But, oh, yeah. But, you know, they, I mean, they wouldn't know me at all. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just they, I mean, yeah, they're like the celebrities in this circle, but just like normal people. And to be honest, like it's, it's more, there's no, there's no prizes in these kind of events. You know, it's, it's just about your own ability and your, your testing against yourself. I guess for most people, but for them, it's obviously a race, like more than anything. So, um, yeah, they're they're just normal people, just pretty cool and pretty. It's it's pretty inspiring to see how they race and yeah. just the, you know, you can compare at the end. You look at the maps and like the distance they have covered in the day versus versus what you've done is like just incredible. Yeah, and actually, so it kind of like pushes you to do more every time you attempt these. Yeah. It's something we were discussing at uh, the start of All Points North. You know, you, you've been to yeah. five or six and you're starting to see the same faces over and over again. And I imagine mm. the ultra cycling world is is actually very, very small. The cycling world itself is very small. And then uh, obviously ultra cycling is uh, a niche within a niche. And uh, yeah. so do you feel you're part of the culture now? Do you still feel that as an outsider, um, uh, how do you feel in terms of being part of the fabric of the scene? Mm, I don't know. I think I'm still on the outside. I, I feel like I'm just like scratching the surface barely. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it takes time, I think, to get people to recognize you. But I mean, you have to show for something for that. I don't at the moment. I've you know attempted all these races, but yeah, you know as I was saying, like I've I've finished them. But for me, it's not about like recognition or anything from other people. It's more about my abilities and what I can do every time I attempt these things. It's I'm not trying to like gain some popularity or you know. So so I think for me, it's like the objective's different, and it's what can I do more every time so you know like from 2019 to 2021 with the silk road it was like oh just went and pushed myself as much as i could and see where that finish line was for me um and then with all points north it was like oh, how much can i cycle can i cycle overnight like continuously how much can i do that can I like survive without a camp or a tent with me? And like, what's the bare minimum that I can take and be confident in my abilities to survive? And so, yeah, it's just like tweaking things every time and, and see where that takes me. That's what I'm hoping for myself, I guess. Brilliant. So um, we'll go over to your UK races then. Um yeah. So you did Yorkshire Divide earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. Dale's Divide. Sorry, yeah. Dale's Divide. Divide. Uh, how'd uh, that go? Uh, I didn't finish it. <laughs> I bet. Was... I'm sure there was learnings. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah, you were out there for yeah. a few days, right? Yeah, like three days. And it was, what did I end up doing? Um, yeah, like 300 and... 45 kilometers that it doesn't sound a lot like when you compare that with all my storm but it's yeah it's completely different it's just like constantly road, right? up and down and up, yeah. up and down and off-road and there's a lot of gates and 
uh, at first you're like what are these gates but then it's just it's so many gates through like farmland um so so it was like oh i've done a bit of the silk road um on that same mountain bike yeah. what can i do this year um and so dale's divide was like one race close to me and i thought about signing up to that and um yeah so it starts in the west coast uh i forgot the name of the place but it i am so it goes all the way from west to like east in scarborough okay and then all the way back um to the west coast um around like 600 kilometers i ended up doing 345 and then i think it was just like too much for me i couldn't i think it was literally it was i think it was during ramadan as well and then so i i've been fasting and then i I stopped fasting for the race and so that also i think played a part but i yeah i think learning for me from that was um just like sometimes you just have to be comfortable with these things um but yeah i'll see if i can go back again try again see what else i can do yeah so um all points north uh this is fresh in the memory uh for myself as well um, yeah. yeah not not very good memories but nonetheless uh memories themselves um yeah so how'd that go um you, i think you lasted way longer than i did uh in fact <laughs> you, you you almost came to the end as well um yeah but you know what like when you when so i thought about that as well and like if when you're starting with like fresh legs and you go like oh 300 kilometers that doesn't sound a lot right but when you're like 700 kilometers in and then you're like 300 kilometers left or three something that just it just like it's completely different perspective um and i think like we both did the same well kind of the same route like we changed uh, in uh, one of the checkpoints but um we went anti-clockwise instead of clockwise so yes, my original right. plan was to go clockwise do the the hills first and get that out of the way so the lake district and stuff but um because of the rain and then you're you were also like yeah because of the rain i'm was it because of the rain that no you, i just i just you, planned it as anti-clockwise just, um I don't know. I had it. Okay. I, I had it down like everything in uh, Islam is like anti-clockwise, right? Um, oh, okay. I, I don't. I don't know. I just. I just went with it, you know. So yeah, uh, yeah and uh, it just looked okay. like the correct thing to do. I don't know. You're just flat at the start. Right. You're going into the darkness, so it just makes sense. Don't do the hills, or rather, don't do the mm. descents in the darkness. Just go. Yeah. Go take yeah. the flatlands, and uh, yeah. So that's why initially planned, okay. and it worked out for us both, I guess. Yeah, but did you get any rain at all? No, um, no but okay. the rain put no, me off. And I, yeah, okay. yeah, the rain put me off, and uh, it's one of the reasons I quit as well, but we'll go into that later. But yeah, I okay. had zero rain. Um, in fact, I had a beautiful ride through the night. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, headed out to the East Coast. Uh, did you do the same? Um, yeah, so I ended up changing the route last minute because i knew there was going to be rain in on the west coast and the lake district and that kind of put me off but 
the route that I planned on my Garmin was clockwise. So, um, you know, there was Byland Abbey and there was Gotland Station. Yeah, 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 yeah. So oh, if you Gotland did it, if yeah. You, yeah, if you did it clockwise, then you'd go to Gotland Station first and then Byland Abbey. Yeah. So something so it's, and that would probably be like less elevation so when i went anti-clockwise i did byland abbey first then go to the station whereas it should have been the other way around and then okay went up you know between the north york moors and yeah that was that was some um, like yeah horrific times on the east yeah. in, in the moors and just around it as well some mm-hmm. very steep ones um but yeah. but yeah, I mean, I didn't get any rain um, so at all. Like good. throughout, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Not even like till the last day, I didn't. Um, and I ended wow. up in Carlisle. Um, then I was like cycling towards. Uh, no, where did I end up? Oh, sorry, not Carlisle. Penrith, yeah. Oh yeah, Penrith. Yeah. And then I was cycling up to Altswater and to Ambleside. When I just, just couldn't like, uh, the, the, I'd not slept in like 31 hours. So wow. I was like really tired. Um, and I just went back to Penrith. And when I slept, I just thought about just quitting. And that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and that's when, you know, 300 kilometers at that point was like too much for me yeah. after yeah. 700 kilometers. And yeah, I cycled like through two nights, so I was feeling rather finished. Uh, yeah, completely. <laughs> did did the thought of uh, quitting come before that, or was it just at that point? It was at that point. Like I, you know, yeah. Before that, I was like, no, I need to, I need to finish because it's just yeah. But then it was just too much um, climbing. There's like uh some cow green reservoir yeah that was just a pretty long 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 climb and the wind was just blowing in your face like constantly going up the hill and then you're at the top of the hill you think oh that's where it is but then you go down into the valley and then and then it's another climb up to the reservoir and then you're back down, and then go back up the hill, and then back down. So it's just like too much after like doing such a long distance, and that's why probably even like going anti uh, going clockwise with the rain probably would have like in in hindsight now I think would have been better. Really. Um, yeah, I think we had the quite rain. a few, quite a few guys quit just because of the because rain. Of the rain, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Because um, so, it was brutal. Um, it was something like sixteen hours straight, um, according to reports. So yeah, yeah, that's what I heard as well. That it just didn't um, stop raining until the next day, next night, or something. So it's quite yeah. a lot. Did you? And you didn't have any jackets or anything with you as well right i carried a did i carry a jacket or light light jacket yeah i carried a very lightweight jacket um not a rain jacket Uh, i actually Mm. underdressed 
uh, yeah, because definitely. it did get a bit cold, nippy in the night. But yeah. I didn't stop, so it was okay. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure um, if I had stopped to sleep, I would have been in trouble. Um, okay, so you didn't sleep? No. Like, you didn't stop at all for a nap or anything? Uh, no, uh, and that's probably okay. where... That was my downfall, really. Um, mm. Yeah, so... so you, you made it to Darlington, I remember, right? Yeah, so I, I, I was heading towards Cal Green. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we were talking about this at the start line. In fact, you know, we had about yeah. eight of us uh, signed up. Uh, and then it just mm-hmm. became two of us and I was just going to give it a crack. No, I, I didn't have real intention of like, yeah, I'm going to finish this no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. It was more like, right, I'm here. Uh, it's new experience. Let's see how it goes. And uh, of course, yeah. I, like uh, loads of things were going through in my mind. You know, I've got kids at home, family, mm-hmm. uh, leaving them. That's kind of unfair on them to do a selfish act of riding my bike a ton. <laughs> You know, I had work on the Monday. Um, yeah, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was already contemplating calling on sick on Monday, mm-hmm. knowing that I'll be trashed if I finish this on Sunday. Yeah. So I was like, that's not, again, that's not the correct thing to do. You know, you can't give up work and people relying mm-hmm. on you to finish this ride. So anyway, it was just like, you know yeah. what, just give it a crack, see what happens. So um, I rode through the night and then uh, in the morning and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to fall asleep. So I literally, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm in some rural land uh, next mm-hmm. next to some uh, sheep farm and I yeah. put up my bike and I'm like, mate, I can't stay awake. Um, I'm struggling yeah. to put out any real power. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to mm-hmm. take a quick nap on the side of the road. So I put my alarm on for half an hour. Um, yeah. And uh, but I've got all this anxiety going through my head, like someone's going to nick my bike, someone's going to wake me up, someone's going to ask me, "Are you okay?" They might think okay. I've been knocked over or something. All this stuff is going through my mind, mm-hmm. and I probably get five, maybe ten minutes uh, sleep, and I, I wake up even more tired. But I get, yeah. I crack on, and about an hour or so later, I'm falling asleep again on the bike. Like my eyes won't open as quickly, and I'm thinking like cars are coming. Uh, the opposite direction i'm thinking if, if i slip or something you know like i'm gonna yeah. end up in the front of a car and that's that's yeah. me done so i was like you know what um you, you've had a good you've had a good crack at this i had completed i don't know uh, i've done three checkpoints i did about mm-hmm. 200 250 miles maybe about 400k yeah. Yeah. um and it was like you know what uh you need to sleep um so it's like it was like 10 11 a.m and i'm like where am I going to go and sleep for three, four hours? You know what I mean? Like hotels yeah. were extortionate because they were all booked up. Um, that was a Queens, yeah, Jubilee. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, but it was so nice riding through the night and seeing people out partying and stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, so it was just like, well, where, like it's not worth 100, 150 pounds to go find a place to sleep to then carry on the straight. So I'd, I'd spent for a few hours um, yeah yeah i'd spent so much money already um and mm-hmm. it was like it was just messing with my plan so it was like you know what you, you had a good time today you did what you needed to do um just just pack it in um so yeah that, that's kind of why i packed it in um i don't regret uh coming out no. um you know Same. i learned an absolute ton and um that was my first one perhaps my last as well only because like i said it's, it's not because i want it to be my last it's just um Fine. i wanted it to be really really good like i wanted mm-hmm. to prepare i wanted to do several back-to-back centuries and you know i wanted to really give it a good go but just the nature of life and uh, mm. a full-time job and uh, parenthood and whatnot it, it, it doesn't allow for that to happen 
uh, not where I am yeah. currently. So it's like, I don't want to sign up to another one where I'm underprepared um, mm -hmm. and it just wastes a bunch of money and time. So yeah. um, like I said, I'm glad I did it. I learned an absolute ton uh, more about myself than anything else. Um, and yeah, um, yeah. What do you think you learned though? I just like, you know, um, like if you don't prepare, then it's game over. I took, I took way too much food, for example. Um, Did you? Okay. Way too much food. Um, I'm, I'm sure the you've seen yeah, oh, yeah, the way too many. And then Did I, you finish through? Did you go no, through? No, I, I probably went through half. And um, okay. uh, like I said, I had a bunch of bars and gels and mm. all sorts of other stuff um I, I made a mistake as well like it got to uh, so it's 8 p.m we started right i had two full bottles yeah. of water and um at about 2 a.m i saw uh, a petrol pump but i didn't want to stop mm. i was like i was in a zone i was like yeah. i barely stopped i think after about 10 hours of riding my uh moving time must have been about nine and a half so i literally yeah didn't stop yeah, at so, all other than Salah yeah. and stuff right and mm -hmm. um so I was like sick so it's 2 a.m I still had like half a bottle left so I was like all right the next one I find uh I'll go there's no up. next one there was no bro it got to 9 a.m so I think we started at 8 yeah. p.m 12 13 14 hours later that's when I found yeah. the next stop and I mm -hmm. literally had zero water for like six seven hours for well over 100 miles um so yeah. it's just like you know like there's so much stupidness that i did um <laughs> carried way too much uh brought the wrong back perhaps as well uh yeah like preparation as i mentioned it wasn't on yeah. point uh, we had ramadan as well uh mm -hmm. yeah it's just so much like i could do it so much better but like i said it, yeah. it takes so much more effort and time uh which yeah. currently i don't have so mm -hmm. yeah yeah although like I mean, yeah, this was kind of like on the bank holiday weekend. So that's probably why it's like a slightly longer race. But I mean, like the guy who won it, like he came or finished at first was like in 52 hours, if I'm not Something mistaken. Like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so like that's just over two days. But I mean, it's just two days of continuous cycling. He's a monster, and, mate. We and I mean, like at a good, good like speed as well. So yeah. And like yeah. all, all the with, quick with guys hills. had, yeah, it, all the quick guys came with tri bars, all of that, you know, like yeah. that. You can't just rock up with tri bars, you've got a yeah. train in them, and it's like, yeah. when, when, when are you going to go and do that? You know what I mean? It's just, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting world, uh, ultra mm -hmm. distance riding. And like I said, it's a world I really want to be in because think about it if you cover 200, 250, 300 miles a day. You can see, uh, forget whole countries. You can see countries like you can yeah. like if you're doing it across Europe, for example, you can cross Belgium, Holland, and maybe even like parts of Germany in a day. Mm -hmm. uh, you can cross most of France uh, or half of France yeah. rather, and end up in uh, Switzerland, Italy. The next, you know what I mean? Like the amount mm -hmm. of places you can see, uh, and as you mentioned, you do it because of the adventure. Absolutely, yeah. like you don't get a bigger and better adventure than on a bike ride. So. Um, it's a world I want to be in, but uh, yes, it's not one yeah. I can be in. I mean, that's what I've kind of also realized, like, uh, you know, I guess similar, you know, growing up in my 20s, you definitely have, like, much more time, yeah. time and, like, you know, just a lot of free time. But I guess with, like, growing commitments, 
you then choose what you want to do and so i guess for me this year it was like the focus was tales divide and all points north and those were like the two things that i wanted to do next year it's probably all points north all points north again yeah um and then something else and so i'll like limit myself to like these two things and that's that's what i'll like yeah yeah, kind of train for like and then that's that's it and i'm like content with that you know it's not like every other month i'm going for a five-day race and i mean i yeah so or i'll do like one big race or something so um yeah there's and then as you saw like you see other people you know with dry bars with different setups or different variations of a setup so you kind of then like iterate and improve over years um so it's definitely i feel like a long-term improvement rather than one absolutely racing you're like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's partly what i enjoy about it as well um but i feel like you know with ultra racing or these kind of events like you do see quite a lot of the countryside but you don't get to enjoy it as much as like you would if you were doing it at a slower pace so there's like some no, but then you pace. don't you don't uh yeah. like, i know you you like to do your hikes and treks and i appreciate that you get mm. to take it in a bit more but with the bike mm. you get to just the amount you get to see is a lot more you know yeah. what i mean it's quantity yeah. over quality i guess mm-hmm. yeah what, what keeps bringing you back then so obviously like I've done one and like I said, I'd love to come back, but it's not something I can come back to, uh, not right away anyway. Uh, but what keeps bringing you back to ultra races? I think, yeah, this is like a conversation that I had with another guy at the Silk Road and he, that was his second time as well. And um, he'd already finished it the first time that he came uh, the previous year. Um And I asked him the same question, like, why do you come back? And essentially his answer is what I kind of like and I kind of understand is that, like, our daily lives are so either monotonous or safe and they're, you know, they're they're good, but they're very predictable. Um, There's this level of safety that, you know, living in a Western country allows you to have um so so going back to these events kind of like takes you away from all of that and puts you in a sense of discomfort and a place where you are on your own you are just reliant on yourself and your abilities to survive essentially and that's that is what interests me as well and keeps me going back for as well um just like seeing what i can do and cannot do you know yeah that's that's what keeps me coming back to it the testing of yourself basically yeah yeah fair enough yeah fair enough it's like improvement of the body the mind you know every year um what's your key takeaway what's the one thing that you've learned the most then like say someone's listening now, they're looking to get into mm-hmm. it. Uh, what's the one thing you're like, right, make sure you do this or perhaps yeah. think about this, you know? Don't think too much. That's what I would say. 
just like the yeah just just go for it i think that's the best way that's that's what i feel that's what gets you to um, the start line i think yeah you're right yeah and then and then and then you go from there and then be calm in situations there's no there's no like you know as you said like you had other commitments so you gave it what you could and then that's fine like there's no like pressure to like you know perform to what other people think you should do it's it's what you feel um is your best and there's no like guilt i think in even attempting them and that's that's a, what i think like has hooked me like just even trying them you know and you get to see different places different people different you know um experiences and cultures and yeah that's like i would say like just give it a go yeah and uh and, what if and, it... and you, you know like people would say oh i don't have the right bike or the equipment and stuff but literally it's just like whatever you have is the best yeah. thing you yeah, have yeah. at that point that's just right give it a go with that yeah absolutely um so what what um what events have caught your eye um i know you're going to do all points north next year and you're still thinking about others but have there been events perhaps you're not ready to take them on just yet or they don't the dates might not match up or whatever but what events have caught your eye and you're thinking oh, perhaps in the future or you know uh, that one mm-hmm. looks really good i mean i want to do the highland trail 550 but it's so i think so oversubscribed generally it's very hard to get a place gotcha. and the guy who organizes it he also i think has a very high criteria on like because i I feel like there's like a wait list and stuff and so you just you have to be like slightly prepared for that i mean why why don't you play the play the diversity card isn't it uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but then there's also the transcontinental race which oh okay but, but but you know what, like the first, I think it was the first few editions or the first edition, I can't remember. It was like London to Istanbul. Uh, that that one's we, the dream. We that spoke remains about the dream. That as well. Yeah. That, so that was what, like, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, wow, that's such a cool thing to do, like to yes. go to Istanbul um, on your bike. Now it's like slightly different because yeah, yeah. they're mostly in Europe, um, like this year as well. Um that's on my radar but i like, i don't know if i'll be ready for it in a few years time but yeah. then there's definitely silk road mountain race um highland trail 550 but then there's i want to do like smaller rides around so i think there's a pan celtic race which just is, is happening right now um or people are have mostly finished it um that's that starts in Wales, goes around Ireland, and then comes back to Wales. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. Um, there's London, Edinburgh, London. I think it's at Audax. Yeah, Farouk's uh, doing that one. Yeah. Yeah. Is he doing it? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a spot. It's here or? Oh, cool. Because I think you have to still qualify for that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got qualification and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a spot. Um, but that that sounds pretty cool as well. And then there's like so many other routes around England that 
that are pretty cool that I want to do. Um, so there's like one in Wales called the Bare Bones 200. Uh, Shafiq Bare Bones keeps, 300. Do you know Shafiq? He keeps going on about that one. Uh, very tough uh, okay. ride, apparently. Yeah, so I want to see what I can do. I might go next month for that. And, yeah. Uh, hopefully the weather is good. <laughs> yeah. But, but if it's not, it's fine. I'll see what I can do. Fair enough. Um, all, all these rides you, you talk about, especially things like I, I've thought about the transcontinental a few times, but uh, yeah. there's there's also another barrier to all of this, and we haven't really mentioned them, which is the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. uh, I'm not talking about the event itself. Like the entry fee might be fifty, maybe hundred quid. I know transcontinental is obviously a much bigger race, so it's about three four hundred quid. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you factor in travel, uh, hotels. Mm-hmm all of these things they can they can quickly add up and sometimes you can Mm -hmm. be talking about a few thousand pound um not to mention taking off time at work and whatnot yeah Yeah, so yeah i mean uh, i guess it's yeah you're right there is that um but you know i think it's like how people invest in hobbies and yeah absolutely absolutely not i agree like not everyone has that you know ability to do that and i think there's like starting to people are starting to recognize that and like there's a few scholarships out there yes um, i've seen them but good initiatives not, yeah. yeah good initiatives but i feel like there's still a lot more work to be done because there's so many people out there that are able but just can't take part um because that might be a limiting factor or you know like things that a lot of organizers might not factor in is that um, Asian countries or people from different countries have a lot of visa issues. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's something yeah, that right. isn't factor to you know. And something you, you know about passport. firsthand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like you know, getting my visa sorted out like last minute to go to Kyrgyzstan, like Kyrgyzstan, and and with a Pakistani passport, it's such hassle, um, and. You know, I've heard people about, like, from India as well, like, a few people coming to Silk Road that they had issues as well, or, you know, they bought the tickets and everything, and then their visa didn't arrive. So apart from just the cost, like, even if you can bear that, there's that. Um, I mean, Silk Road was pretty good because, like, the organizers have a good relationship with the tourism industry and the ministries, so they can, like, intercede and with in your behalf and that's what happened with me like the first year they rejected my visa then i got in touch with the organizers they were like they then got in touch and got it reversed that <laughs> reversed that decision so you know that can happen but i feel like not every organizer is like that um so i guess it's just about a awareness that there are people out in different countries that might be able to afford all the travel and the accommodation and the preparation and um, everything for it, but just not be able to get the visa and yeah, it's true. have Absolutely. trouble doing that. So that kind of hinders um, participation from those people as well. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. um, you make a valid point there. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. That's one. Um, thanks for coming on. We could speak forever. Uh, all things ultra, <laughs> and I'm sure you'll be on again after another madness, perhaps after the transcontinental. <laughs> well, we'll see. I have no plans of doing it just yet, so I think you'll be. I'll let you know when I 
when I do something. Maybe we can set something up ourselves, you know, set it out to yeah. Turkey, you know? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Sounds like a cool idea. Cool. Yeah. This one, Assalamu alaikum. All right, wonderful.